At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back to Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief population health officer at Baptist Health. Here in South Florida, we're surrounded by water, from the oceans to lakes to canals and tens of thousands of swimming pools. That ever-present attractive nuisance is one reason that Florida has the most child drowning deaths in the United States each year. Drowning is the leading cause of injury death in children one to four years old. And it's a tragedy that can happen in an instant and in as little as an inch or two of water. But we can take steps to prevent child drowning and we can learn to be prepared in the event of a water emergency. In a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, we discussed strategies to protect children from drowning hazards. My guests were Dr. Fernando Mendoza, Medical Director of Baptist Hospital Pediatric Emergency Care, Dr. Zuma Berrios, Chief Medical Officer at West Kendall Baptist Hospital, and Karina Nania, the owner of Little Swimmers Swimming School. Let's hear what they had to say. Fernando, um, let's start with you. We know that many toddlers are curious, they're active, they explore their surroundings, and they seem to be attracted to water. Why are the toddler years considered the highest drowning risk? And why do our statistics bear that out? Yeah, right. Well, you said it. Uh, their job as toddlers uh, are to be exploratory. Their job is to go out and explore the world and, and be, be kids, be toddlers. So that's really the most important part about water safety and drowning prevention in children this age is that there is no such thing as you know, turning your head and not being with supervised. You have to supervise uh, these your kids these age 100% of the time, especially around water. Uh, it's even more important to do that uh, when you have water features around you, whether it's pool, beach, canal, uh, especially if you're in, in an unfamiliar situation where you go visit aunties or grandparents' house or a friend's house that you don't have a pool, uh, but they do, and they may not be kind of child preventative uh, or child, you know, kind of protecting the, the water the way you would normally your house. Uh, they can be especially careful. The job of a toddler is to explore. Um, you mentioned the nationwide statistics. And, you know, we know that, you know, that, that nationwide uh, drowning kills uh, kids more between the ages of one to four, more than every other cause except birth defects. Think about that. More than car accidents, more than poisoning. It's drowning that kills kids. And in Dade County, uh, we lead the state with an average of about 45 deaths per year in our county. So it's really a problem here in our in our county, right at home, uh, where toddlers are really the ones suffering the most from this. Do you have any statistics, and maybe this is true for everyone, um, regarding uh, are drowning deaths in toddlers more likely at the home or outside the home? As you said, when people are visiting the grandparents or visiting other places where you might be less attentive or uh, uh, you don't have the proper protection. Do, do well, you have any sense of that? The county doesn't break it down by whether they're at home or not at home, but pool deaths are the leading cause for drowning deaths in, in, in the state and in our county. So for sure it's pools, whether it's at your own house or other people's houses, that, that kind of, it's hard to parse out, but from, you know, from, from experience in the emergency department, we do see uh, you know, quite, a, quite a bit of these, these drownings occur when you're not uh, in your own house, but many of them also happen within your own house, especially when, uh, even though the, the, the county requires uh, regulations have a fence around the yard and even around the pool. I mean, pool fences aren't 100% effective. 
they're meant to delay a toddler uh, from getting into the pool. I mean, a, a pretty smart toddler, a three or four year old can get there, pull a pool furniture and climb over the fence and get into that pool. Especially think about it. They were just in a pool with mom and dad and the family. They were in a great time. There's a hundred percent supervision. Everyone goes back into the house and is doing their thing. And Tyler says, I don't want to stop playing. I want to go back into the pool. But maybe we didn't close that pool fence. Or maybe the furniture was left next to the pool fence. And Tyler says, I'm going to go back and explore and do what I thought was really fun. I felt safe and protected with my family. Of course, they're watching me now. The toddler doesn't know that the supervision is not there. So the the, the themes that we're going to be uh, reiterating through the course of this uh, Resource Live are vigilance and don't get complacent. It takes seconds, so stay on top of the kid, your child, um, and, um, and be hypervigilant um, in that setting. Um, and to that end, Zulma, um, you know, drowning is every parent's worst nightmare. And unfortunately, you have a personal story. There, there's this misconception that you'll hear your child cry for help, um, which gives you the opportunity to, to uh, prevent a drowning. Is that true? What are what 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 kind of drowning look like just for the interest of of making again that parent aware? So drownings for the most part are a silent event. You know, it's not what you see in the movies and the comedies and you know commercials that people are splashing and raising their arms and calling attention. Uh, for the most part, a person that is in trouble and is is about to drown they're going to be silent. They're going to try. The only thing that you're going to see is movement on the on, on their legs. Like if they're climbing, is there is there, and their eyes get hazy, and you see that they fall under the level of the water, and they try to move again. It's not a alarming event for for the person. It's an alarming event, but there is not a lot of noise that will alarm others to be aware of what's happening. That's why when we do these orientations, we, we, we make sure that we touch every point. Supervision, you know, physical measures to prevent and delay, mitigate the access to, to the bodies of water, then equip the, 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 the kids and the toddlers with um, swimming lessons and the ways to defend themselves. And then in the event that there is a near drowning, talk about CPR. So we take that stepwise approach to make sure that when we fail in that split second uh, of supervision, that there are other things that are going to protect your children uh, from drowning. And that's exactly what happened to our family. Uh, my niece, Garelena, was during the day at the pool with family. Uh, everybody went inside. She was taking a nap. She asked for a, a bottle of milk. That went to get that, and when he went back, she was already underwater. She just gained access to the pool again undetected, and there was no warning sign. Unfortunately, she she died uh, on about it's she will be 16 years now, and she was only um, close to two years old. So those are the things that um, we want to make sure through these conversations to share um, at least my experience. And then that came with the goal. And that's why you said I'm the water safety champion uh, here at Baptist Health and, and our hospital was Kendall Baptist, because we want to try and equip everyone, all families in Day County to prevent something like this from happening. Um, a lot of times people think of things that they don't immediately see as remote and can't happen to me and can't happen to us. And again, I thank you for sharing that personal story, which uh, obviously drives your passion. And I think um, anything we can do to really get this message across and resonate with 
the viewers uh, is a value. So again, I, I thank you for that, as well as being this our water safety champion. Um, you create a great segue to Karina. Um, as you said, uh, Zolma, we want to look at every opportunity to prevent a drowning from vigilance, surveillance, protection, training, CPR. Let's talk a little bit about water safety and, and, and swim lessons, um, um, Karina. And this is, I guess, true for children and parents. You know, recent studies do suggest that water survival skills and swim lessons can help reduce drowning risk for all children starting at a very early age. What age do you generally recommend swim lessons? And tell me from your experience and your, 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 your expertise, what can a toddler really learn about water safety? Oh, perfect. So um, swimming lessons really offers a layer of protection that anything else really cannot. Um, we accept students as young as eight months. A good way to gauge if your child is ready for swimming lessons would be if they're mobile. If they're already starting to stand up, they're gripping onto furniture, trying to walk around, because like Dr. Mendoza said, and like Dr. Barrio said, children are extremely curious and the water calls to them. So um, we really wanna make sure that they get in the water as soon as possible. The earlier you get them in, the easier it's gonna be for them. And um, at a young age, we're, we're just looking for, for survival skills. We wanna make sure that they can save themselves in case they, they fall into the pool and, and nobody's supervising. Children are curious and sometimes, this is repeated, but they're having a great time. Everybody goes inside, it's lunchtime and they wanna go back out to keep on having fun or they wanna climb over the furniture because they wanna get back into the pool. So we wanna make sure that God forbid something happens, they can save themselves. Make sure you look for a program that they can turn around, hold their breath, open their eyes. We wanna make sure they know where they're swimming to and can get back to safety, whether that be the wall or the steps. Do you, um, do you let the parents participate in the training? Yes, we do. So we offer several um, programs. We have a mommy and me program, not just for moms. It can be any caretaker with the babies. And that's open for anyone between eight months old to toddler two, two and a half. Um, but definitely our most popular program is the private. And we do invite the parents to participate as well on the very last day because we want for the parents to also have the skills to continue building the confidence in their children to, to know what to do in case they're ever found in, in this sort of situation. That's wonderful. We, we obviously continue to hear about the tragedy and the drowning, but we don't think of the countless lives that have been saved in a potential drowning environment because the child um, had had those swim lessons and was able to um, uh, avoid that. Um, Zoma, back to you. Again, um, um, Fernando mentioned <clears throat> barriers like pool fences. Uh, one level of protection, obviously the, the vigilance is, is, is of paramount importance. So what are the kind of things that we want people to be aware of they should have in their homes and if they have pools uh, or other you know, drowning um, um, risks, um, or even to make sure that people they're visiting have if they're, if they're taking their family to them. Can you talk about a couple of the, uh, the things that are available? Absolutely. As Fernando mentioned, you know, ordinances and codes require that there has to be a gate around uh, the pool or access to the pool that needs to be gated. Um, important to, uh, it will be a good idea that uh, those should be self-latching gate, uh, gates. So as soon as they close, they're latched and, and will be difficult for a toddler to open by themselves. Um, other things that are, are uh, common to find will be nets around the pool, um, fence, pool fences, not just the gates uh, that are, you know, iron aluminum gates on, on the entry points to your backyard. Um, 
If you have an alarm in your house that has chime, that you can activate the chime with the doors open, and you can uh, select the doors that go to the to the backyard and to the access to the pool to keep those chimes on, so that you know that if that chime you know goes off, you better run and go and check what's going on. In the pool itself, there's many different flotation devices and level uh, devices and uh, disturbance of the water uh, detectors that will also ring an alarm if something falls in, in, in the water. Not only, you know, it could be a cat, it could be your dog, um, but it could be your toddler that, you know, access the, the, the pool without your, your uh, acknowledging. There are other devices that are personal devices that you can put in your toddler that also when they, uh, there is a contact with water that will alarm <laughs> and alarm you that um, the, the, the toddler is in the water. So there are many different options out there uh, for you to um, support and, and make sure that the water uh, access is protected. And that also includes for, for lakes. If you have a, uh, a house that has a, a backyard that you know faces a lake or a body of water, those should be gated, latching in the same way that you would protect a, a pool. Um, Karina, I'm going to throw uh, a question and a follow-up question at you really to clarify certain things, which you know, as, as a parent of, of 20-year-olds may not be as, as uh, attuned to, but certainly um, um, want our, our viewers to be aware of. So, you know, we know that a lot of the drownings occur and the, and the family member, the parent is so close there. Um, so talk about touch supervision, these concepts, again, further towards being available and preventing the drowning episode. Absolutely. So um, you want to have a designated water watcher, especially if you're having some sort of event. You want to have somebody that can reach arm's length and, and help if they need, if they're struggling, if they need any sort of assistance, make sure that there's one designated water watcher. Yesterday, I read something that says, if everybody's watching the pool, that means nobody's watching the pool. Everybody's assuming that someone else is doing the job. And that's when, when accidents happen. You wanna make sure that this person who's watching the water, watching the children in the water is a responsible adult. Don't leave this uh, responsibility for an older child, maybe an older sibling. It's too much of a risk. Make sure that somebody is watching. If you need to go to the restroom or anything like that, want to go inside, refill on your drink, make sure you pass it along to somebody else that's also responsible and sober. Um, that, that's very, very important. You want to make sure that they're watching, counting the children, making sure that the flotation devices, nobody's underneath them. If everybody's wrapping up the event and everybody's going home, make sure that you clear the pool, make sure nothing is at the bottom and nothing is there to really draw the children back to continue the party. So you, you want to make sure that that you have someone designated at all times. Very, very important. Um, did someone have a comment to add to yeah. that? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I want to comment that. <clears throat> I want to add to that what Karina was saying is that if you're going to have an event, uh, main time pool parties, birthday parties, uh, we're seeing a lot more of this. You might even want to consider hiring a lifeguard, someone who's really just their job it is to be on site. And, you know, for the same, you know, probably a lot less money you pay for a bounce house or for, you know, whatever other, you know, <laughs> A thing you do, fun thing you're doing for the kids, especially the young kids. There'll be parents who go to the party who won't want their kid in the pool because of that. But if you have a lifeguard um, that can give, you know, that's really someone who's actually being paid and, and, and trained uh, to keep it on that pool. I mean, in the time that it takes to answer a phone call on your cell, bad things can happen. So I think that's, uh, again, a, a great point. Karina, I did mention that maybe you can get into that touch supervision concept a little bit, what that, what that actually alludes to. 
Such supervision basically is just that you're you're able to be there. Um, you're able to to watch. You're watching them constantly. You're looking back. You're a, you're able to touch them. Um, it's not just not just in the pool, but bath time as well. You don't want to go. The phone rings. You go come back. Tragedies happen. Um, it can happen in the bath. It can happen even with the toilet. I remember when my children were um, young, we had a lock on the toilet seat because we were scared that they were going to get curious, maybe want to throw some toys down the toilet or anything to see how it flushed and that they would fall in. Um, just because of their weight distribution, they wouldn't be able to get back out. So you really want to make sure that that you're there um, constantly watching them. Um, it, it, it's It's very simple. It's just, I guess, time consuming and people forget they think that they can do something in a matter of, of a few seconds, but that's all it takes for a drone in, in very little water, so. Um, Fernando, now in a tragedy, calling 911, usually the first step, what should anyone do if a child is pulled from the water, theirs or someone else's if they're there during that episode? What can, what can, what can one do? Well, for starters, you wanna make sure that you're safe, that the person who's gonna be attending to the child feels comfortable in or around the water. Um, we'll hear stories of, and I've seen this in the ER, that there's a nanny at the house, but they don't know how to swim, so they didn't go into the pool, and we have to wait till re fire rescue gets there. Um, but make sure that you're comfortable in the water. We don't want to turn one tra potential tragedy into two. But remove the child from the water as soon as possible. Remove that, uh, the child is, get them into a safe place, put them on the ground, get them away from the water. And then really you're talking about basic CPR. Um, you know, you're talking about checking for breathing. Uh, if you know how to do that, checking for a pulse. Uh, if you know how to do that, if there's a pulse and you see, if you see chest movement and rise and a pulse, you wait till 911 gets there. Um, if not, you need to start CPR. And the most important part of that CPR is the compressions, uh, not the breathing, but the compressions. Uh, but certainly uh, before you start CPR, calling 911 is of the utmost important, importance. That's really um, the most critical thing. So my advice would be if you have young children for a number of reasons, not just for pool or water safety, for choking hazards or other things, take a CPR class. There's lots of resources in the community um, that offer CPR classes for parents, for caregivers, for nannies, for grandparents. And that's really essential. It's just the basics of understanding what it takes to re, you know, kind of you know, revive uh, and, and, and kind of get that bridge until 911 can get there. Again, a very important public health message. Hopefully no one will ever need their CPR knowledge and skills, but it does save lives in many scenarios, including the ones you just, you just described. So that's a, another great um, opportunity people have to both help themselves and family members and maybe some other people in their community. Um, Zulma, um, we talked again, pools aren't the only threats. We have water all around us in South Florida. We have boaters and water skiers and jet skiers. Um, let's talk a little bit about life jackets uh, for children on bodies of water. What are the recommendations for life jackets? And give us, are there any circumstances where it's okay for a child not to have a life jacket in a boat or uh, in a water exposure? I, the personal flotation devices and life jackets, they need to be sized to, to, the, to, the, to the person that's going to wear them. And uh, the floaties that go in the arms, those are not life jackets. And the, the, the things that look like a tire that you inflate, those are not life jackets. A personal flotation device is specifically designed to be on your body and uh, that it will, for the case of toddlers, that will raise the head above the water and keep that head out of the water. Uh, but fl flotation devices are for everyone. You know, uh, uh, we were talking about 
in the basin, we see jet skiers, boaters, uh, rowers, people in um, paddle boards and, and, and kayaks. All those should be wearing their life jackets, their personal flotation devices, because if you go, you know, coolly out, fall in the water, there's a lot of uh, upper arm and body strength that you need to get back on your, your vessel. And I wouldn't trust myself without my personal flotation device when I go out in the water. And in, in the boats, the kids should have their, their flotation device all the time. I was watching a video out of my um, hometown of Puerto Rico of an, a, a, a vessel in choppy waters and the kids were jumping. They were jumping on that vessel and almost to the point of being thrown out of overboard. If they don't have the flotation device, there's not a lot that we can do for 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 those for them. And it's and not only for kids. You know, our our teenagers they feel invincible and they yeah. will go out very far out on kayaks and paddle boards without any personal flotation device. That's scary because again, there's other people at the uh, in the water at the same time with you. A wake puts you off. You have to defend yourself. And if you don't have a flotation device, you're going to be depending on your strength that may not be that great, especially if you've not been on the water and being trained uh, to to maintain that stamina uh, to to get back on your vessel. Such such simple tools like life jackets and flotation devices can make such a big difference. Um, but they don't work if you're not wearing them when you have that situation. So, <clears throat> Karina, swimming alone in and of itself is a risk, as great an exercise it is. Can you speak to buddy systems a little bit and what you uh, recommend and, and preach? Absolutely. So we always want to swim with a buddy. Doesn't matter how how efficient we are as swimmers. Doesn't matter how well trained we are. We can always cramp up. We can slip, fall, hit our head, fall in. Um, so you you want to have a buddy so that if you are in trouble, they can go. And, and get help for you or vice versa. Zulma, last uh, question um, as time is um, quickly upon us. Um, can you just quickly go through other water hazards that one should be aware of and, and be vigilant about um, and, and inside the house and around the house? I, I think the Karina touched upon some of them, you know, buckets, toilets, bathtubs, um, any of those inflatable pools that you have uh, that you may use to cool everybody out when they're so hot outside. And I wanted to make a mention about, we need to also make sure that our pools are safe, mechanically safe, that the skimmers are covered, that there's no areas that there may be entrapment. And that goes for your personal pools, the people that you're visiting, the community pools and in those uh, community uh, areas. And if you're sending your kids to camp, make sure that if they're going to participate in camps, that it will include water uh, events, that those are safe and with correct supervision. As always, we'd love it if you take a moment to give this podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you listen to us on and send us your comments and suggestions for future topics at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.